I was just saying. I don't care about your opinion. I just well, I'll tell you what I think. What's that you're saying? Would you just listen? I don't think so. Remember, ladies, one must not get one's knickers in a twist. I just... Please listen. I'm trying to help you. Listen. I don't think so. Excuse me. Well, I don't care. I don't care. Listen. Shut up and listen. Hi, guys. Welcome to another episode of Shut Up and Listen with Heather Matarazzo. That is me. And again, I'm on location this week. Um, talking to somebody that I have been a fan of for the longest fucking time. Um, and I feel like she is part of my just creative soul tribe. And I, I'm so grateful that I, I get to talk with you today. Fortune Feimster. Hi. Hi. That's very kind of you to say. Well, dude, it's true. Creative soul tribe. Yeah, man. That sounds neat. Yeah. (laughs) Well, you know, like, because I feel like there aren't a lot of people that get it. Yeah. In regards to, um, you have an authenticity about you, which is really rare. Oh, thank um, you. In this business, in regards to, there's never an ego involved with your performance and your. <laughs> well, sorry, those are my is, dogs, and that's the mailman that just showed up. Yeah, and that's and, what happens when you're on location. <laughs> <laughs> but I love it. I have I have an honorary co-host since Maddie. Tagalong couldn't be here. It's Maddie, who's fucking adorable. <laughs> um, no, but it, but you have have an honesty in your performances and in your stand up. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I know. I know. It's a lot. Maddie, don't interrupt my compliments. <laughs> um that that is re- that is really quite rare. You just um there's a freedom to your performances that I really really respect. Oh, and, thank you. Um it just you remind me of like, yes, this is why I love getting to do what I do. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. I don't think it I ever set out to do that on purpose you know i was just kind of like this is who i am and just sort of presented it to the world and for a long time you know people didn't know what to do with it and it's only been in the last i don't know maybe six years where people were finally like oh she's different and that's a good thing but before it was just like we don't really know what box to put her into um because you know i'm southern and i'm gay and i am this crazy hair this crazy accent and uh i'm big uh but you know i just had to kind of figure out how to use that stuff to my advantage and just kind of put out like this is who i am you're kind of on board with it or not but like that's okay if you're not and how did you get to that point how did you did you have to go through um uh metamorphosis of sorts in regards to uh, did you ever feel like oh my god like why can't you just get it oh for sure I mean you I've been out here 14 years and you know it was it's a journey and it's like so frustrating I would get super close to something and not get it and 
you know, you're just, you kind of get at your wits in like, oh, when is that, you know, break going to happen? But you just kind of have to keep plugging away. I remember when I first moved here, someone said, it's like standing in line at the post office. Like all these people get tired of waiting in this long line and get out of line and you just got to keep waiting in that line till eventually you get to the counter. And it, you know, for me that applied, it seemed like in time people started to appreciate what I did and sort of understand it more. And did you have a moment where you threw up your hands and you were like, listen, if I'm not meant to be doing this, like, no, no, Mm -mm. I never had a backup plan. Yeah. Um, I mean, there were times where I was like, oh man, how am I going to pay my rent? (laughs) You know, that definitely entered into the, into my mind many times. Um, yeah, I, especially I, well, I was a journalist for seven years out here. Like that was my day job. And then at night I did like groundlings and stand up. And, um, so I, during that time I was able to pay my bills. All right. But then I wasn't able to really put much into my performing. Um, so then in 2009, I think I, I through 10, I just kind of like, was like, all right, this is, I'm just doing this and we'll see what happens. And by the end of 2010, I was broke. I was broke, and I owed my roommate money for rent, but he was out of the country. Film, um, he was an AD, and so he was like, yeah, just get me, you know, when I come home. And I'm like, okay, thank goodness, but where's that money going to go? I mean, I was broke, nothing left. And there, I, I do remember having, um, it was a New Year's Eve, like, dinner with friends, and we all kind of had this, like, come-to-Jesus moment. I don't know, it was weird, like, here we are in the middle of LA and people were just like, let's go around the room and say like what you want for mm. the new year. Yeah. And I was like, you know, we were all like, okay, yeah. And it was, there was nothing pretentious about it of like, you know, I want to, you know, it was just everybody just kind of like, yeah, it's been a rough year and I'd like for this to happen. And it got to me and I was just like, I don't know what's next and I'm nervous and I, I'm scared and I, I just want like to work and I just want to, you know, be able to make a living doing what I love. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what that is. And I just, uh, it it was almost like you just kind of laid it down to like, just something, please come, you know? Yeah. And a month later I got Chelsea lately or not even a month, two weeks later, I got a call to come in for Chelsea lately. And what was bizarre about the end of that night at the end of what I said, my friend jokingly to kind of make the mood lighter because I was just like had my come to Jesus moment. She's like, and you're going to Australia and you're going to like for whatever reason, she just ah, chose to be Oprah telling everyone they're going to Australia. I got Chelsea lately two weeks later and then like a week after being there, they're like, by the way, we're going to Australia in uh, May to shoot some shows. And I was like, what? So I don't know. It just, well, that was a big turning point for me. I had a, my come to Jesus moment and then, wow. then it started a new journey. Oh my gosh. That's so beautiful. Yeah, it was great. Like that is such an incredible story. Um, you know, that idea of what happens when we completely fully surrender, mm-hmm. you know, and, and we're to the point that like surrender feels like dying. Yeah. Where you're like, I, uh, I yeah. don't know what to do. Yeah. Uh, and it was never like, 
oh, I guess I'm going to have to go do, you know, work at wherever yeah. place. It was just like, uh, yeah, it was that. It was like, I don't know what's next and I'm nervous Yeah, and I hope it presents itself yeah. in whatever way. I'm ready, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. Well, that's the, you stayed in line. Mm-hmm. You stayed in line where, yeah. um, <clears throat> And it's true, I find that, like, most people don't stay in line, um, you know, because even though they might be miserable, mm-hmm. they would rather be safe. Yeah, you for know? sure. And that the the difference between... <clears throat> and that's the funny thing, too. I, I feel like someone that has no quote-unquote talent that is like i'm gonna make it i'm gonna do it i'm gonna do it i'm gonna do it i'm gonna do it and they don't get that maybe this is not what you're meant to be doing Mm -hmm. you know um but it, it and then that like that bitterness comes and that right. idea of like, well, you guys don't know anything and fuck you. <laughs> yeah. Versus again. Um, and uh, I use this in, in the highest form possible, that earnestness that you possess. And again, I don't know you that well. Um, but just it, my intuitive feeling and just watching your career grow um where it's there's a humility behind it mm-hmm. where it's i just i really desire to do what i love yeah i really just desire to do what i love i'm not asking for much mm-hmm. i don't want like five cars and like a huge house not <laughs> yeah. that there's anything wrong with that right. there's nothing wrong with desiring five cars and a huge house mm-hmm. Um, but really when, when the simple desire is, I just desire to live a life that turns me on, Mm -hmm. that really gets me going. And I know that I have this thing within me that needs to be expressed. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know like where. I, ne- I never set out to be a performer or yeah. a comedian. Like people ask my family, like, you know, was she always funny? And they're like, not really. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't like I was trying to be the star. Yeah. You know? There was just like, um, I, I mean, I come from the South and there's a lot of storytellers there and a lot of, you know, quote unquote characters that are, you know, they're real people. But you're like, how does this person exist in the real world? <laughs> um, so there was a lot around me. And then uh, at a certain age, when I moved out, I moved out here to be an assistant to an actress. And I just uh, was kind of like, let's just see where this journey takes me. It's, you know, why not? Life, it's life. Let's just yeah. do something. Yeah. And um, then when I started improv, that's where I started. It just fit. It was like, oh, this has been my missing link yeah. in life. And then I think with stand-up, it was just like, I have stories to tell that I think are fun and funny, and it's about making people feel good. Like, I don't know that my stand-up is, you know, it's not reinventing the wheel. I'm not coming to the stage with all these revelations. It's just like, I'm going to make you feel good for the next hour. Yeah. And that's all I want to do. 
Yeah, for sure. But that to me, again, is, um, I mean, it's interesting in regards to like, you say like the reinvention of the wheel, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's like, if the simple agenda is to be honest and the simple agenda is just to speak your truth, Mm -hmm. um, people respond to that naturally. Yeah. Um, because it's also that idea of, oh, me too. I feel less alone. I identify. Mm-hmm. And it's really, um, <clears throat> I think that individuals that do stand up and do it in a way where it's not, <clears throat> pardon me, <laughs> and do it in a way where it's not <sighs> surface mm-hmm. and it's not calling out bullshit, Kardashian, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um and doesn't take a lot of thought. Like I think of someone like you, I think of someone like Patton Oswalt, mm-hmm. you know, where your, your stories are very, very personal mm-hmm. and the punchline is smart, you know, um, again, because it's honest, yeah. you know what I mean? There's no, you're not trying to manipulate an audience. No, no, I don't, no, it's, yeah, it's for sure, like, all, most of my stories are based on things that happened to me, my experiences, and my outlook on life, and I think at the end of the day, like, maybe what people are responding to is that I'm just genuinely grateful, Mm. like, to do what I do, like, this sounds so cheesy, I'm so grateful, you know, but... I, I, like I said, I've been out here 14 years and I grew up in a like lower middle class family and we had a lot of challenges and a lot of, uh, you know, we didn't know how we were going to pay the bills a lot of times. And, and so I just always knew that I wanted, I didn't know what my life would look like, but I knew I wanted to be secure and take care of myself and my family and and I didn't know what that looked like. And so now to be in a place where I'm getting to do this and people want to pay me for it and it's a great job and it's fun and I can make people happy and I can pay my bills, it makes me so grateful. Yeah. Um, so if that's what's coming across, then that's good because that's comes from a very deep place for me. Well, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, um, I love getting to have conversations like these because I find them to be so incredibly refreshing. Um, you know, and, and so my question to you then is, do you finally feel secure or do you still have, you know, a little bit of doubt in the sense of, or fear of, oh no, is the other shoe going to drop? Am I allowed to relax and breathe and be in the pleasure of um, <clears throat> my life? Mm. Or are you still a little, a little of both? I mean, I'm definitely like enjoying life and am able to sort of take it all in and be like, oh, you did that. Good for you. Like, I definitely don't discredit any of any step forward, but I'm always going to be, I think the type that's like, what's next, what's next. And what else can I do? Like I'm a workaholic for sure. I'm on the road all the time. Yeah. And when I'm 
home i'm always writing something or filming something uh because there is that fear of the shoe dropping and like you know what is my shelf life what is my career look like in 20 years i'm doing people want to hire me now but are they going to in 20 years <clears throat> and i don't want to be so full of myself that i think oh I'm just, it's gonna be like this forever yeah. so i try to be realistic about yeah. that and so i just work as much as i can right now in case there is a time what people are like yeah we're good we're mm-hmm. not we don't want what you're selling right now yeah and you know i see you know people like uh an ellen of the world who couldn't work for several years after she came out and yeah and she's super talented and you know you don't know what's gonna happen so i try to be very realistic and smart and i work i i try to work as much as possible (laughs) try to save money i uh yeah i'm very much like cautious Mm. but also but no pessimist yeah i can enjoy where i'm at in life yeah for sure okay that's so (laughs) that's so um because what it makes me think is that idea of you know people are buying what you're quote-unquote selling Mm -hmm. you know and that idea that they might not be buying it in the future and it just it it leads me to thinking the difference between and we were talking about this like very very briefly before we started this but the idea of not having control over your career versus Mm -hmm. um I'm fully where it's not up to anybody else. It is up to you in terms of, well, this is what I desire to do. And this is what I desire to do. And that, um, there's no quote unquote obstacle Mm -hmm. because it just, the intention behind it isn't based out of fear, but simply I desire to produce this movie. This Mm -hmm. is a really great script and let's find the money and let's raise it and let's get it out there. Yeah. You know, um, and do you do you feel that or do you feel to a certain degree that like you don't have um full control over your career and that it's um i have both i mean being that i like i said earlier it took people a while to get on board i kind of got to the point where i realized i was like I, if i'm going to get cast in a movie if i'm going to get cast in a tv show i'm going to have to create these things i have to just show people what i can do mm-hmm. and so stand-up was part of that you kind of you're creating these jokes and telling these stories you can have a big effect on your stand-up career based on how much work you put into it how much writing you do yeah um so you have some control there um but for me like i wasn't getting cast so i wrote i was like all right all right i wrote a tv pilot yeah and it didn't get shot but i was like at least sort of on people's in industry wise on people's radar and then um and then i was like all right i'm gonna try again so i tried again and we got to shoot that one and it didn't get picked up but then that's what led to getting the mindy project yeah so you know because before that people just saw me as sta- a stand-up or someone you know one of the comedians from chelsea lately and they didn't know if i could act 
And it was just like, I got the mini project because I created something yeah, and I got to shoot it and she got to, they got to look at it and see then she cast me. So now other people are casting me because then they can see my work from that. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, it is about creating some of your own opportunities. And, you know, people create all things all the time. It doesn't always work out. Yeah. But it doesn't then, hurt. Yeah. And with that, too, though, it it, it does actually always work out mm-hmm. in regards to that pilot didn't get picked up and you tried it again. You know, because was that like the first pilot you'd ever written mm-hmm. ever? Yeah. The okay. first one. That was like 2012. Yeah. And then your next one got picked up. And correct me if I'm wrong, Tina Fey had produced that. Yeah, that right? was. Mm-hmm. Um, and she and that that came from another note, not to me specifically. But I had the in between those two pilots, there was a pilot season that I was cast on a show that Tina Fey was producing. And, um, and that they thought that was going to go, it seemed, you know, that whole Hollywood thing. Oh, this is, this mm-hmm. is a show. Yep. This is going to yep. go. And it didn't, that Kevin Raleigh got fired at Fox. You know, the new people came in they're like, no, thanks. And so from that, no, I was at Chelsea lately was done at that point, And I was like, what is next? Oh my God. Another one of those. Yeah. Oh my God. What's, what am I going to do? Yeah. Um, and I thought I've got Tina Fey's ear for like maybe two more minutes, you know, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. before she goes on and she's wonderful, but you know, she's so busy before yeah. she goes on in life. So I just kind of like pitched this idea about my family and my experience. And she was like, yeah, let's do it. And I was just so happy that I asked yeah, because that, you know, I'm, such a woman in that way that I don't ask for things. Mm. I just like, I don't know. just kind of put my head down, do my work and hope for the best. Yeah. It's rare that I'm like approach someone as like, will you do this? Yeah. And I was just so proud that I asked and she said yes. And so that's where that came from. And what inspired <clears throat> you to ask? Like, what was it? And what was like the <clears throat> thought process behind it? I think it was like, what do you have to lose? Finally, just, I got rid of that fear of rejection and just was like, all she, you know, the wor- it's kind of like asking someone out, you know, the worst they're going to do is say no. It was just kind of like that. Yeah. She'll either, she'll, I know, I knew she was a kind soul. Yeah. So I would be okay. Yeah. If even with the no, she would be kind about it. Yeah, for sure. So that helped. Wow. And what what led you <clears throat> to getting over your fear of rejection? Like I think I there are some ideas that come to me where I'm just like, yeah, I know that's a good idea. And some I'm just like, uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah. But that was an idea I just felt really solid about and I was just like, I think this is a good show. I think this would work and so I I was confident in my pitch and my product, whatever you okay. want to say. Okay. Um, so I felt like I had something good to offer her that would be mutually beneficial. Yeah, for sure. But how did, how did, how, how does one get to that point? Like, how did you get to that point? Cause I know for me, you know, <clears throat> pardon me, the, uh, the fear of 
historically in the past, the fear of asking for what I desired, the fear of asking Mm -hmm. for what I wanted, because I didn't want to step on any toes. I didn't want to rock the boat, Mm -hmm. and I think that when you're accustomed to um, eating crumbs off the floor, Mm -hmm. you know, and being told like, that's where you're meant to be, Mm -hmm. that the banquet that's on the table um, never fully seems attainable because mm-hmm. that would mean then that you no longer know your place yeah. in the scheme of things. Mm-hmm. And uh, getting to have that that awakening and that internal education of, oh, I actually do know my worth. Right. You know, and... Uh, I actually am allowed to sit mm-hmm. at this banquet table and I get to expose the lie that I've been told, which is, um, you're not worthy. Mm-hmm. Know your place. This isn't for you. Right. This is for the other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and don't you fucking forget it. Yeah. So like, what was your experience of going from that you know, historically female psychology of, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, <laughs> can't ask for what I want and blah, 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 <laughs> to being able to, uh, <clears throat> because you can still have a fucking brilliant idea yeah. and be like, I, know uh, it. I, know it. I, I, I can't, yeah. I can't, I can't, because I don't know. Uh, yeah. Oh, fear, I think, gets in all of our way so often. Yeah. I I became a little bit more fearless in work life than personal life first. Yeah. Um. I don't know why. I don't know why that is. It took me a little bit longer to become more fearless in my personal life. But work-wise, I guess I just... It was kind of like, well, why not? Why not me? You know, if, if we're, you know, doling out... <laughs> tv shows here and do you remember that moment no i don't well actually well let's see i yes actually i had just been we just got the no from the shut from the cabot college is what it was called and I, I was sitting outside and got the phone call that it was a no and there was a minute where i was like sad mm-hmm. and then the, the idea literally came to me like right then and it was just like, oh, 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 yeah, okay. This is this is what I've got to do now. I've got to, I'm not even going to let myself sink into this. No, I'm just going to like, I pulled my computer out and started writing. And then uh, got in touch with the writer of that pilot. And just the next day, you know, he's probably like licking his wounds. And I'm just like, I got an idea. Yeah. Do you want to write it with me? And yeah. Can we pitch it to Tina? He's probably like, what? It, it just, maybe it wasn't felt inspired, just not wanting to sit in rejection. Just like, how can we turn this around? Maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and just, I mean, I, you know, I'd always heard that phrase of like luck and preparation meeting opportunity. I was like, how, how many other times in your life are going to have this opportunity? to pitch someone like Tina Fey, you know, get it, pull it together, yeah. <laughs> you know, t- yeah. take this, take this minute you have with her to, to 
to see what you can come up with and yeah yes yeah it's kind of the same thing that happened i'd been wanting to do movies for a long time no one i'd go in i suck at auditioning by the way and so if i'm having an audition for something it's not pretty um and so i would go and audition after audition and not get these parts and then i got this tiny part in office christmas party and they just let me improvise the whole scene and the they dreamworks really liked it and they were like we we want to work with you again and i was like great here's a script (laughs) and i think i'm just trying to take these lucky opportunities and turn them into something so i that's how i I sold a movie script a couple months ago yeah bad cop bad cop Mm -hmm. yeah and it's really just like all right you showed people that you can do this thing if they're telling you they want to work with you show them something show them give them something you know don't Mm. wait for yeah some movie to come around in a year or two yeah work on something and be ready yeah so that's part of it just being ready and do you because this this makes me think and it's something that i've i've talked about on this podcast quite a bit and uh, sometimes i wish that that we had a translator Mm -hmm. to just fully translate feelings into words right because i'm i'm overcome with such an incredible sense of gratitude um getting to sit here and talk with you and and listen and getting to know that like you were fully receiving the opportunities Mm -hmm. that were being presented yeah um and again, it's like you can't receive if you don't feel worthy to receive. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. I mean, you know, on the flip side of that, like I get that because I, for many, many years, had not the best relationships. but And it was because of not feeling worthy. But for whatever reason, I didn't have that in career. For whatever reason, my worth was enough yeah. in that area. Um, so I get, I totally, I totally get it. And was that always the case? Uh, relationship wise? No, was that always the case in regards to like career and that idea of worthiness? No, no. Um, just because our, (laughs) come here, buddy. Um, uh, I think when I first started, it was more of, I just want to learn. I just want to learn as much as I can. So I was like in classes all the time at the groundlings and I was just soaking it all up. And I don't know that, you know, I mean, I think there's always a piece of us that's like, Oh, why, why haven't I gotten something yet? But you know, you then you kind of snap out of it. Like, Oh, I just started like a couple of years ago. Calm down. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, first I didn't have that sense of worth because I didn't, hadn't earned it yet. Um, but once I, <laughs> sorry uh once i put the time in and felt like i had something to give and like uh then the worth started to to come up for me because that then makes me think um because one can and and that to me is what i found so incredibly frustrating 
for a long time because I had a similar experience to do, to you mm-hmm. in regards to I'd get so close, I'd get yeah. so close, and then not get it. Yeah, <clears throat> and I was like, "What the fuck <laughs> is going on? Yeah. Like, what the fuck?" <laughs> and I would get are you okay. Yeah, I have allergies today. I'm so sorry. That's, well, yeah, you I'm appalled. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, like just <clears throat> when you have something to give, and then on the opposite end of the spectrum, it's not received. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's you can't have one without the other. So it's. When you're not received and you're like, what the fuck is going on? Because then there is nowhere for it to go. Mm -hmm. It's essentially being rejected. Yeah. Um, Which is like the name of the game in this business. Yeah, lots of rejection. Um, And and I remember spending like so much time. And I feel like this is like part of the process of like really getting to come into a sense of authenticity Mm -hmm. and honesty is that. I had to have the experience of listening to the agents, listening to the manager, playing the game, mm-hmm. ba ba which I fucking sucked at mm-hmm. in regards to going out for things that I knew I wasn't right for. Right. Like, I'm 34. Mm-hmm. I'm not 50. Yeah. And I know that I'm not 110 pounds. However, I'm not a 50-year-old, um, dowdy overweight housewife right last time i checked (laughs) yeah unless i'm completely insane (laughs) and and i feel like you especially would be able to identify in regards to if you're given a role and the the energy of the role doesn't suit you Mm -hmm. as a being you have to do something completely different to make it work yeah you have to do something completely different to make it work. Mm-hmm. And when you're put in a seemingly impossible position of, okay, I'm willing to say yes to just show that I'm willing. I'm willing to say yes to go in for this thing that I know I'm not fucking right for yeah. in every single way, shape, and form. Mm-hmm. Um and then you own it and you do whatever it is that you've got to fucking do to like make like this is it. Yeah. Like this is it. Um, and then still not getting it. You're like, what the? It, it, it seemed to me to just be like a reconfirmation of like my intuitive feelings about who I am mm-hmm. and what I can offer and what I do offer. Yeah. Um, just really like the universe shining like these bright warning lights like mm-hmm. you're right you're right you're right you're yeah. right you're right um so now getting to cut to now i don't feel like i need to i don't owe anybody anything in this mm-hmm. regard that oh i Man. know Come here. i know Come here. sorry oh my god they're so cute <laughs> They're so cute, you guys. They're so fucking cute. They're being little bitches. Um, Get it? Because they're dogs. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> they're little bitches. They're so fucking cute. Oh, my God. Um, but that I don't owe anyone anything in mm-hmm. this sense that I don't need to prove myself. Right. 
you know, I don't need to prove my worth Mm -hmm. to anybody else. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I always can tell when I get asked to do something and it's not right for me. Yeah. I sent you that, that, that was the first time that we'd connected Uh the script, which is funny because I had, they had already called me about that script. And it was funny that you had said that I didn't end up getting it. Yeah. But it worked out because I wouldn't have been able to film it because of my TV schedule. But, um, but yeah, that, I mean, I've had some instances with other actresses. Cause you know, everyone in LA or they say everyone's out for themselves and no one's looking out for other people. Like you and some other people, um, have reached out to me before when things they've gone in for something they're like i'm not right for this but yeah. you are and i just think that's such a cool thing to do yeah well i mean because the truth is is that there's more than enough for everyone a yeah for sure and b i didn't even go in for it i just mm-hmm. said nope yeah no nope. now you know yourself <clears throat> and you have that that i don't know yeah and confidence to say no when it's not right And with that, and that's, and that goes back, I think, to just like a quote unquote woman thing Mm -hmm. in terms of, I, I would say yes to things, even though my insides were screaming no Mm -hmm. again and again and again and again. And it made me feel like a fucking prostitute yeah, and not even a well-paid one, (laughs) Uh you know, like it made me feel like so fucking dirty and so fucking disgusting Mm -hmm. on the inside because I like, what am I, what am I doing this for? Right. You know, that idea, you know, of this business where it's, I know that it's that like, we've got to do shit and we've got to get paid and blah, blah, blah Mm -hmm. and all this stuff. And I feel like there's a, you talk about like nobody knowing like where to put you, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of that box and getting to create your own thing. I feel like I had to take an ax mm-hmm. to the box yeah. that I was put in mm-hmm. um, from when I was 11. Yeah. Cause you've been doing this a long time. I've been doing this for almost 30 years. Yeah. Yeah. I've been doing this for, yeah, I started when I was seven and then mm-hmm. I did dollhouse when I was 11 and then yeah. it came out when I was 13 mm-hmm. and then I went through a period in my twenties where I wasn't working mm-hmm. at all. You know, I would do like an episodic here or there, but that to me is like giving a bump of cocaine to <laughs> a cocaine yeah. addict where it's like three to seven days on a show. is not cutting it for me. Right. I love the two or three months. Wake mm-hmm. me up at five o'clock in the morning and I work 18 hour days and I yeah. feel really, um, complete as an actor and as an artist and mm-hmm. as a storyteller. And those years where I wasn't working is when I went through that very slow and painful, you know, um, evolution, like mm-hmm. really, really deep, painful growing pains. Yeah. Until I got to the point where I hit a moment of surrender and I was just like, I just don't give a fuck anymore. Yeah. Like, I don't care. Mm-hmm. And that took a lot of work. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> with it too, again, like, I feel that when any person, but especially a creative, um, 
doesn't depend upon anybody in regards to, I'm not depending upon my agents or my manager for my jobs. Right. I'm not. Mm-hmm. There is an incredible freedom then that gets mm-hmm. to be experienced where I now no longer say yes to things that I don't desire to say yes to. Yeah. Um, because I don't have fear about what my agent is going to feel about it. Mm-hmm. And because her feelings are really not my business. Right. Yeah. You got to look out for what yeah. makes you feel good. Yeah, exactly. Because mm-hmm. I know where I'm going and it's, it's my life that I'm living. It's nobody else's. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that I feel is really kind of what separates those who, um, are willing to be quote unquote creative rebels, mm-hmm. you know, where I don't know why I have this like weird analogy of, I used to do this all the time when I was a teenager. Yeah. I'm so grateful. I don't do it anymore. <laughs> um, but I like, remember when I was doing princess diaries, mm-hmm. I was such a cunt really to Mandy Moore. <laughs> That's hilarious. I was such a cunt to her. Why do you th- why do you think? Well, because, you know, I was like a 17-year-old like camel filter smoking, yeah. like indie queen, you, like you were cool. What uh-huh. Yeah, like I thought I was a female Sean Penn. Uh-huh. Um like doing this like Disney movie and like whatevs and hopefully yeah. it won't hurt my cred. <laughs> my indie street cred. Yeah. And, um, then I ended up doing a piece of shit called sorority boys, but that's another story. (laughs) Um, however, like I remember I like would make fun of her Mm -hmm. and, and what it was, was it was a subconscious test to be like, are you going to be willing to stick up for yourself? And are you going to be willing to meet me? Are you going to be willing to match me uh-huh yeah and like really fucking meet me or are you just gonna hi <laughs> yeah um what'd she do she fucking met me there you go <laughs> which was so beautiful yeah. and it was so surprising and you know we were we were friends for quite a while and then as you know uh, as it happens like in this industry like when you get busy like um and as we grow and change, like friendships veer off in different directions. But I, I look back on that now, you know, in that challenge, Mm -hmm. like, are you, are you willing to go there? Are you really willing to fucking match me and be there? Mm -hmm. And, um, so today then like back to like when it comes to, the work there isn't a need for that anymore mm-hmm. um because i've already had that experience yeah you know what i mean it's like i already have the individuals in my life mm-hmm. that match me in those ways yeah. that are just as powerful just as creative just as passionate just as like yes let's fucking live fucking life yeah (laughs) and pardon me and that then enables me that I don't there's no one to fight Mm -hmm. you know it's either 
we're going to go do this. If you want to do it with us, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, but I don't need to beg on my knees for you to right. say yay or nay. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's got to be a nice place to have gotten to. That freedom. Holy fuck. <laughs> it's so, it's so beautiful. And in addition to that, there's a new sense of, of being received. Mm-hmm. And then, um, getting to receive mm-hmm. in regards to then individuals that get to come out and say, I really love your work. Mm-hmm. I really love what you do. I, really love where you're going and I want to be a part of that. Mm -hmm. And what can I do to support you and what way can I work with you and collaborate? Um, so we get to all win Mm -hmm. and that would never have been able to happen if I was still stuck in that same rut of, well, I've got to do these things that I don't necessarily want to do, but I'm powerless and I'm not in choice. You know, it really is choice. Like Mm -hmm. that to me is the freedom is getting to be in choice. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And do you feel like you're in choice? I think finally I am starting to have some choice before it was just kind of like, Oh, I'll just take what is available to me. Um, so yeah, it was like stuff I wasn't as passionate about. But now that people are starting to be more familiar with my work and it, I I seem to finally be getting to choose what I want to do, which is nice. Yeah. Um, I still got a long way to go. I mean, I'm just, you know, breaking the surface, but it's nice to feel like I'm not at like the, the, what's the word? Mercy. Yeah. The mercy of the industry or anyone like yeah. I but it sounds like you never really have been in in the sense of you wrote your own material mm-hmm. like you took you you took initiative yeah you took actions as opposed to just being a passive observer mm-hmm. yeah I mean I guess it's now people are you know giving me the chance to put that stuff out there um but yeah yeah I guess it's like I guess I've always been pretty self-aware since I can remember. I've always known who I am and what I have to offer a person, the world, whoever. And so I think that's part of it. It's just like, I know exactly what I can offer you or not. And, and so that, I think that's where my career started to shift. It was like, all right, I'm going to take this into my own hands and offer up what I know I can. Yeah, and where did that where did that come from? Um pro- probably like having to be a, uh an adult at a as a child. Just I was always the caretaker and making sure everybody was good and the, my family was good and um just growing up having to grow up fast because uh you know, my parents divorced when I was young and just kind of stepping up to the plate and being like, all right, we'll take care of this together. Yeah. Things that your parents shield from you for many years until you're older. Um, so that sort of growing up fast just made me, I don't know. I think it made me more self-aware made me see the world 
uh, as it is and not this fantasy. Um, but it's weird. It's a weird line with that. I'm very realistic about the world, but optimistic, which I appreciate still having that. Because there's so many things in my past that could have made me very pessimistic. Um, and so I think just having that optimism that it's going to work out has helped with my career. Yeah. Not being, a ch- you know, chained down by fear. Yeah. Because also I think it's that I don't live in fear about my career because I know who I am and I know hey, if no one wants to hire me tomorrow, I'll go work at Starbucks. Yeah. Fuck off. I don't yeah. care. Yeah. I'm not too proud. I've been, you know, in a lot worse financial places in my life where I figured it out. My family had to figure it out. We had to, you know, you swallow a lot of pride when you're broke. Yeah. So I'm not too proud Yeah. to get my hands dirty. Should any of this not work out as I think releases some of that fear too. Yeah. And also that I did like it just surviving, mm-hmm. um, you know, and when it's, when it really is, I, there is a natural responsibility that comes with, okay, we just got to survive. Yeah. We've just got to survive right now. Mm-hmm. So ba 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 ba. We're going to do what we've got to do. Yeah. And da, 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 da. And it's almost like a freight train that mm-hmm. just continually goes forward. Um, yeah. So there's almost no room to breathe and and allow oneself to take a step back. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't sulk very much. Yeah. In this career. And because like you said, there's so many no's and so much rejection um, that if you were to sit in that for too long, like, God, how depressing would that be? Yeah. Um, so I think that was part of the reason for my create creating as well. Not only trying to make opportunities for myself, but just to avoid having to sulk, to be sad. Um, and you know, who wants to get told no and then have to wait another year or two for some opportunity other opportunity come like no let's see what we can make happen now yeah absolutely um because then it becomes about again it's and i'm so careful when i use this phrase because i don't want it to be misinterpreted but to a certain degree it is like playing the victim in the sense of not taking responsibility, mm-hmm. you know, um, and and putting all the responsibility onto others, mm-hmm. and feeling that the world owes you something. Yeah, well, that'll get me into a lot of trouble. Yeah, as soon as you start to think anyone owes you anything. Yeah. Um, it's so, it's, I feel like to a certain degree, um, I know for me that I feel like I've been given the biggest gift in the fucking universe to get to do what I do. Mm -hmm. Like I love uh, 
getting to tell stories. I love getting to be in this industry. I love getting to connect with individuals like yourself and Mm. others that, um, we really get to be like the architects of the heart and we really get to be the mirror, mm-hmm. you know, um, for other individuals that aren't afforded the opportunity, um, to take a step back and reflect that mm-hmm. aren't afforded the opportunity because they're working three jobs. They're taking care of two kids. They're trying to figure out how to get like next check. So right. like the fridge stays full and they're not losing the car and ba 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 that like what we get to bring is um a moment of relief a moment of reflection a mm-hmm. moment of um connection yeah and i feel like it's it's one of the most sacred roles that we get to play mm-hmm. you know yeah Um, and so who is that, who is that for you, you know, in those times that you were really down or in those times that you just quote unquote, like needed a break because you were going, 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 going. Mm -hmm. And that, what was the show actor, actress, song, whatever it is for you. Mm -hmm. Um, what creative individual spoke to you? Hmm. Uh, I mean, I always, what I did watch a lot of comedy growing up, never with the desire to do it or thinking I could do it, but I, I grew up on all the Saturday Night Live, um, with like Molly Shannon and Adam Sandler's and Chris Farley's and I think that's where I learned to be silly early on because, mm. you know, so you see somebody like Adam Sandler, like doing canteen boys, just like, what? This is so ridiculous. <laughs> um, that I have a little bit of that ridiculous, silly side of me as a result. Um, and I used to watch, uh, reruns of Carol Burnett, mm. Carol Burnett show with my grandmother and I was super tight with my grandmother. And so that was like a cool thing to get to do with her. And to see like her, us, me being a child and her being an old, older woman laughing at the same thing was kind of a neat thing to like see. Mm. Like this person is reaching both of us. How crazy is that? I don't, I didn't have that foresight when I was 10, but you know, later on I realized that. So I definitely, she was a big influence for me and someone that I could just, sit down and watch and forget about everything yeah else going on because mm. she was just so funny just naturally talented and she was real kind of you know the stuff we were talking about she seemed real she would sit there and talk to her audience members and was never to seem too good for to be talking to them and you know never seemed above anyone she just was like let's have a conversation yeah let's talk yeah and that i think is like really the fucking difference Mm -hmm. is that the individuals that are grounded um and they're knowing because they they know what they're doing here and Mm -hmm. that it's not again it's um 
they have marching orders, quote unquote, that are bigger than they are. Yeah. You know, so to a certain degree, it's not even about them. They just get to be the vessel with which, um, you know, the healing gets to occur, whether it be through laughter, whether Mm -hmm. it be through, um, sadness, what, whatever the fuck it is. It's, um, they know that it has nothing to do with them and all Mm -hmm. they are is the conduit. Yeah. I've had some moments like that in my career where I was like, I didn't do anything. I just gave you something that you needed, but I didn't mean to, it just, you need it. You know, like I had, um, one particular instance that stands out for me. I was, I did a show in Fort Worth, Texas and, uh, every, you know, it was a normal show as always. And everybody seemed to have a good time. And, there was a group of girls at the table by the stage and I didn't think anything about it. And I do a mean greet. <coughs> I do mean greets. This, this, my new dog is messing up my allergies so bad. Oh, no. um, but I love him. Uh, I would do mean greets after every show and um, they w- s- stayed last. And uh, we took a picture together. And I, I took a picture and I did a thumbs up, not, uh, you know, not even thinking, just like, yay, thumbs up, good times. And they started, two of them started sobbing and I was like, (laughs) what just happened? Like, is everyone okay? And they, this is getting dark for a minute, but they had a friend a week before who had been murdered by some co-workers who robbed the store she was managing um and uh it was like really gruesome murder and she was supposed to come to the show with them and they decided to come anyway without her and i guess her thing that she always did was in every picture she took she gave a thumbs up and it was like holy cow you know i i was just there not doing anything and I and but it gave them some sort of peace that uh, they all were like sobbing but happy they were just like I don't know it was some sort of peace that they needed and I just was the vessel for it and those kind of moments happen sometimes and when you get to have a career like this where you get to reach out to people yeah and it's pretty pretty crazy holy cow Mm -hmm. wow yeah it was so trippy Holy shit. That's huge. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and I feel like in general that this art, you know, this kind of business is the kind that you get to touch people in ways that you're not really intending to or meaning to, but they're they're needing something or looking for something and whatever you put out into the world taps into something that they need. Yeah. And it's pretty great to get to do that. It's the fucking best. Mm -hmm. It's so fucking awesome, especially like when it's, and that's what I, I feel like, um, I really, I trying to no. the last movie I saw was I am not your Negro. Mm -hmm. Um, have you seen that documentary? Fuck. It's good. It's fucking incredible. Yeah. And it's so timely, especially Mm -hmm. considering where we are, um, today. Who knows, by the time this is out, maybe we'll all be dead from Let's hope nuclear not. attack. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh-huh. Um, 
No one's at the door. No one's at the door. No one's at the door. I was just knocking wood. Knocking wood. I was knocking wood. I won't do that again. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Oh, my God. Um, I told you they're they're guard dogs. We apologize for the the barking during this podcast. My dogs are. Oh, my God. The fucking cutest. The best. Um, So cute. (laughs) Um. Oh my god! I just completely, I just completely lost my train of thought. You were talking about the "I'm not your Negro" oh, documentary, right, 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 right. Um, but I don't like most movies that yeah. are out today. I don't, mm-hmm. um, because I feel like there's, and I'm like trying to think of a recent example of something that I saw where I was like, "Give me a fucking break." Yeah. Like, just stop it. Like a remake of a remake of a remake. <laughs> like a remake of a remake of a remake of a remake. Um, but where you can feel the intention, whether it's of the director or of the actors. Oh, mm-hmm. here's a perfect example. Have you ever seen Magnolia? Uh-huh. So Tom Cruise's moment where he's crying and he's like cursing Jerry. Mm-hmm. Just being like was an emotional masturbation (laughs) moment (laughs) if I've ever seen one and individuals lauded it as such an incredibly great performance but here's the deal and I feel like I mentioned this like um the other week but it stands out to me so um poignantly because I could just imagine hearing like the AD being like, all right, everybody, all right, quiet, quiet on the set. All right, everybody, just really quiet, please. Take a moment. All right, Mr. Cruz, you ready? Yeah. And then comes in, and it's all about him. Right. Like it's all about him versus, you know, Ed Harris's performance in the hours Mm -hmm. where we see him in that chair and we know that he's reflecting on, you know, his mother leaving when he was a boy Mm -hmm. and that pain and that longing and that anguish and just that wound that is still festering and has never been healed And he makes a decision in that moment. And then we have Meryl Streep come in. And she's like, Richard, what what are you doing? And he's just like trying to get in the light. And he just has this fantastical experience. And then he says, tell me a story. Just tell me a story. And the way that he opens that window, the audience has a has a hint of subtle suspicion of, oh no, oh no, but really maybe he's just opening up this window because he um, wants to feel the breeze and he desires to feel alive. And you see Meryl being so cautious and present. And then we see him just go to his death. And there's nothing melodramatic about it. There's nothing that is false in either one of their performances because 
it wasn't about them at all. Mm -hmm. Like it was really, truly about the embodiment of a character in a moment where they're not like, this is going to be so fucking good. Yeah. Like (laughs) this is going to be so fucking good, man. You should really see how like emotional I got. And you should really see, you know, like I really fucking went there (laughs) like blah, blah, blah. Cause like I'm a fucking actor. Um, and, and that I think is the difference. Mm -hmm. I feel like there's a lot of celebrities that are pretending to be actors. Mm -hmm. Um, but there are no real actors that are pretending to be celebrities. Right. Because they just are, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and, and that to me is like the, the separation. And it, it breaks my heart that <sighs> we've gotten so accustomed to bullshit. And we've mm-hmm. gotten so accustomed to surface performances that... Um, are all based from fucking ego. There's no other way to fucking put it mm-hmm. because it's like, look at how good I am. Right. Look at how good I am. Look at how funny. Look at how this. <laughs> yeah. As opposed to just. Just doing the work. Just doing the fucking work. Yeah. For fuck's sakes. Mm-hmm. <sighs> It drives me. I can tell. It, yeah, because I feel like it's... It's a fucking privilege. Mm-hmm. It's a privilege that we get to fucking touch people's lives. Yeah. You know, I, I've heard, like, other actors be like, well, it's not like we're curing cancer or anything. And I've said it again. I'm sorry, listeners, if you're like, oh, my God, she's already talked about this. <laughs> well, turn it off. Um, but it proves that I'm consistent with my passion. That's true. You don't waver. I don't. Um, because it is it is a privilege and a fucking honor that we get to fucking do what we do and that we get to fucking tell these stories and that we get to play these characters. And with that privilege comes an incredible amount of responsibility in terms of being true to the work, being true to the role that you're playing, being true to the words that you're saying, whether you're producing it, directing it, writing it or starring in it. And, um, cause people are spending 15 bucks to go to a movie mm-hmm. theater. And not only that, they're spending two hours right? and, or they're, they're spending an hour watching a show from like their home when they have so much other stuff to do mm-hmm. that um I feel like I I have a personal responsibility um to like the quote unquote invisible audience mm-hmm. because I also A am a part of that audience yeah. and B I know the power of it. Yeah. Because I've I've been on the receiving end of it. Mm-hmm. Like I've been on the receiving end of having a movie fucking like rip my guts open and inspire me to take action mm-hmm. where, you know, again, like I'm sorry if I talked about it before, but I remember <laughs> seeing like the perks of being a wallflower and I had not read the book mm-hmm. and I'd gone to like the premiere in New York and 
I had no idea what to expect. And at the end of those two hours, I was sobbing. Oh, really? I was sobbing mm-hmm. because it hit something within me. Yeah. It hit that it spoke to the adolescent girl mm-hmm. in high school. Um, who's like relationship didn't work out with mm-hmm. like their first love. Right. And I remember after leaving that premiere, I like went up to the head dude because there was an after party and I was like, I need to go home and eat my feelings. <laughs> I can't stay here. Uh-huh. Um, and I remember I called my, my, my ex from high school. Oh really? Yeah. And I just said like, listen, regardless of how um, <coughs> our relationship ended and ba 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 you know, thank you for that time yeah. in my life. Like, thank you. Mm-hmm. I had no idea that I was going to be doing that at the end right. of like this fucking movie. Mm-hmm. You know, like that is the power of storytelling when it is done fucking effectively, yeah. i.e. fucking honestly and truthfully. And everybody is there for the same reason, which is to um, tell the most effective honest vulnerable story possible yeah was that a positive experience making that phone call i mean it just was mm-hmm. it wasn't like positive or negative if anything it was just like a signpost uh-huh. and like a reminder of right this is why like i love getting to do what i do like mm-hmm. i just worked with um joaquin phoenix oh cool um on like Gus Van Sant's new film. Oh, the with Jonah Hill and um, or no, don't the, something. Won't. Yeah, you'll get there on foot. Yeah, um, yeah. Like they had wanted me to audition for one role, and then mm-hmm. Gus was like, "She's not right for it." And then he was just like, "Would you like come just do a fucking cameo?" Yeah, and I was like, "Let me think about that <laughs> for a second. And I was like, "Fuck yeah!" yeah. It's like literally, I have like one line. Uh-huh. It's like such a tiny little cameo, and my agent was like, "I don't know if like, like Gus doesn't know if you're gonna want to do this." And I'm like, "I don't fucking give a shit." Yeah. Like I love Gus. Like uh-huh. you know, um, like I love getting to be like, like I don't fucking give a shit. Uh-huh. Um, and I got to watch Joaquin work. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for all of the other bullshit, you know, aside of which I also have very strong feelings, <laughs> um, but I'm not going to go there right now because this specifically is about just performance, getting to like watch him work mm-hmm. and getting to see again, like an earnestness. Mm-hmm. Like, a real fucking earnestness that wasn't fucking, you know, like, choke on a dick bullshit. Um, Because it wasn't a vanity project. It really just was being so present and and so in the moment that... Mm -hmm. And you know that, like, when you're, like, working on something... It's like you do the goddamn scene like 15 fucking ways from Sunday and there's like different fucking camera angles. And so like a page and a half scene can take eight fucking hours. Mm -hmm. And I watched him like hour after hour after hour, each take like a little fucking different, Mm -hmm. you know, the emphasis on a certain word, a little different and getting to see where he would stop himself Mm -hmm. for whatever reason. 
because he had like fumbled with lines or whatever the fuck and gotten his head. Yeah. Versus those moments and those takes where he was so alive and he was so present that it like got me choked up. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and like, again, reminding me, like it's just another signpost of, Oh, right. This is why I love doing what? Yeah. Because there, there is such a freedom and there is such a courage to be that raw and to be mm-hmm. that, you know, where it's, you don't give a fuck what other people think because again, it's not about you. Right. You know, that sounds like a cool experience. Yeah. I think it's like, it's, it's all fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. And like, I know that you haven't really done that much drama. No. Quote unquote. Uh, um, is that something you would ever do? Um, yeah, for sure. I mean, I did, I, I was in the theater in college and, but I kind of sucked at it. <laughs> we did very obscure plays and I just hadn't quite found myself yet. And, um, yeah, I didn't thrive in college theater by any means. Uh, but there were some like more intense stuff there. Um, I did, um, the only drama I've gotten to do is a, a Sam Shepard play out here. Was, <gasps> uh, um, one of his more obscure ones called melodrama play and i the lead uh quit like two weeks before it opened and the director knew me and he was just like i had to play like a sociopath killer wow um and like crazy huge long monologues and um i kind of was like uh sure i'll try it just (laughs) because i knew that that opportunity wouldn't come around (laughs) <laughs> very often so that was cool to kind of challenge myself to see if I could do that and I would love to get to do that on film sometime but you know I don't know that people necessarily think of me right now for that I type could, of work I totally think of you for that kind of work well, we'll see I, uh, I we'll see I would definitely it would be a challenge for sure because, you know, my instinctively, I want to go to the comedy. And deflect. Deflect, yeah. yeah. Um, so I would, it'd be interesting to have that challenge to be forced to be serious. Let's fucking and, do it. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah, no, because I, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. But I am going to go here. Okay. Um, <clears throat> very quickly. I find that there is an innate sadness mm-hmm. that every single comic has. And, it, oh, and, yeah? and the funnier that someone is, and I don't mean sadness in the sense of like you can see something that's so beautiful that it breaks your fucking heart and makes you want to kill yourself. Mm-hmm. There's a, um, a deep well of compassion and a deep well of empathy. Yeah. And, and with that too, I will always be there for you, mm-hmm. but I don't really want you to fully see me right in, in that way. Yeah. Yeah. I get that with con with comedians. And or- do you find that true for yourself? Um, yes and no. Uh, I mean, I definitely have had my share of challenges and hardships like everyone has. 
I have my sad stories that we all have. Um, that really sh- some a couple of big things that really shaped me and really changed my path in life. Like, um, and I think that uh, my comedy came from like wanting to make people feel better because there were people around me going through things. And mm. so it probably came from that. I'd say my comedy is a little, what, it's weird. Once I came out of the closet, I sort of gained a lightness that I had never had in life before. Yeah. Things were a little heavier before then. I was kind yeah. of carrying the weight of the world on my shoulders and sort of any thing that had happened to me, I sort of wore it like a badge of honor. Gotcha. And once I came out, it just, things sort of lifted for whatever reason. And any trauma I'd had, like, was still there, but I didn't have to wear it on my sleeve and mm. it didn't have to define me anymore. And um, so now I feel like my comedy is rooted in a more positive place. Yeah. Uh, than, than it might have been back then. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, there is a, there is a thing there where you want to take care of everybody else and you're sort of the last person that you check in with Mm -hmm. for sure with me. Yeah. Um, and, but I'm not afraid of exposing myself. Like I try to, I'm a cancer and, um, fellow water sign. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I consider myself pretty empathetic. Uh, I, I can feel energy very strongly and I'm not afraid to take on, I'd take on a lot of energy and, um, so I'm not afraid to be vulnerable and really show people who I am in a, in a personal, personal life, Mm. one-on-one talking to people. Yeah. I don't know about on camera. I've not been challenged in that way. I'm like so excited. So we'll see. I'm so excited. But even in stand-up, I haven't really allowed myself to be super vulnerable. Yeah. But in life, I have no problem. I could open up very easily, talk to people pretty easily. I'm an open book. But yeah, I don't go, I don't dig super deep stand-up-wise. All right. So maybe that will be something I get to explore at some point. Yeah. It would be a challenge for sure. Because I would, you know, instinctively want to make people feel good yeah. around me. Yeah. If I have some dark character that doesn't do that, it might be challenging. Okay. Okay. I I, I literally, <clears throat> I'm just seeing, I'm just seeing camera shots. And oh, just, really? Yeah. I'm, I'm literally like having oh. visions right now. I'm so excited. Well, that's cool. Um, okay. Well, I'm going to add wrap this up and and ask you a question that I normally ask my guests. I forgot last week. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Um, maybe I'll get a post from, from Amy. Um, but it wouldn't matter because you guys are fucking listening to this after Amy's episode, whatever. <laughs> I'm not going to cut any of this. You get to fuck. Okay. So this podcast is called shut up and listen mm-hmm. with my name. Um, and so 
the question that I ask is, when was the last time that you had an intuitive thought Mm -hmm. and you shut up and listened to it? Mm -hmm. And what was the result? Hmm. I've had a a number of those in my life, pretty big ones that, you know, when, when you're in there at the time, you don't know if what that is, you just, I get gut, you know, gut feelings, whatever you want to call it. My last big one probably was, um, when I was at Chelsea lately, um, I'm sure I've had some sense in, I'm just, this one's sticking out for some reason. Um, I had gotten that opportunity to try out for Tina Fey's pilot, that Cabot college one, but I was working at Chelsea lately and you can't do both. You can't be a writer on a show and then go be an actor and go back and forth. So I had to choose, Mm. I had to choose one. And it was like a really tough decision for me to make because I loved being at Chelsea lately. I loved working there. It was stability, which we don't get very much of in this business. It was working with friends who'd become very close to me, working with Chelsea who gave me this huge break um, versus chasing. I'd always wanted to be an actor, always been my goal. Like since I started at the Groundlings, like I want to be an actor. I want to do comedy. Um, and here I had a chance, but, um, in order to try, I had to leave the show before I even got the job or not. And I just kept, you know, it's like one of those things where it's like, what do I do? What do I do? Like, do I, do I leave for the unknown? Yeah. Do I leave stability in a place I love for, it could be nothing. I could leave for nothing. And um and the the tempting thing would have been to stay yes because uh, i had a really good gig there um but my gut told me it was like you gotta go you gotta go you gotta take this huge risk you gotta leave this comfort zone and if you don't you know you're not gonna um reap the rewards and I didn't even know what would happen. The pilot could not get picked up. You could not get the show a number of things versus staying at this show, which at the time had no expiration date on it. It could have, we thought gone on for however much longer. So I made the decision to leave and it was so hard and they were bummed. I was bummed, but I did it and I tried out and I got it. It was the first thing I'd ever booked. Uh, acting wise and um and the we filmed it it was a great experience and it didn't get picked up and there was a part of me that but not once did i think i had made the wrong Mm. decision yeah um chelsea show ended up going off the air like six months later and then that led to selling my show with tina which led to mindy project which led to all this other thing yeah so I feel led in life often. I feel like there, I know that sounds so ch- cheesy or what, I don't know what you call it, but I've had so many things in my life, especially since my grandmother died. I don't want to be too hokey, but ever since she died, I feel a little bit led yeah. um, to things Yeah, that it's 
beyond my my uh decision sometimes i know that's weird to some people but um it's weird to those that have never had the experience mm-hmm. or fail to look at the experiences that they've had yeah yeah I, and maybe there so maybe that contributes to some of my fearlessness with my career because it, it feels like i'm on a path yes and uh that path is laid out in certain ways but i you know have to make certain decisions while i'm here to get to those things yeah uh you know but i can totally go back to so many decisions i've made and see how it led to this it led to that which led to this yeah so it's all it all makes sense in the end uh and i think i you know i hope there's still many of those to come you know where i'm led to cool experiences challenging experiences fun you know i I have a lot i want to do and accomplish uh oh that's alexa oh wow i had i had there's a lot that i want to accomplish hmm i'm not sure (laughs) (laughs) i know thanks alexa (laughs) alexa or whatever you call it um it's so that's so funny that we my girlfriend installed one of those thing alexa things that you say alexa do this and they do turn the light on or whatever so i said i had a lot to i wanted to accomplish and and alexa said i "Hmm, i don't know about that (laughs) i don't know i don't know about that thanks alexa Uh, that's really that's really nice (laughs) yeah just just watch her she's gonna do it yeah i'm gonna show you alexa (laughs) just so trippy um well i'm i'm so grateful for the um opportunity and the time that oh, my we pleasure. got to have um together today and I really don't say this I don't know that I've actually said this on this podcast about anyone yet you're the first oh yeah I'm so excited for you oh thank you like I'm I'm so so excited for you well, I I appreciate that. I hope, like we said, that there's many cool things ahead for me, for you, for all of us. Yeah, for sure. If we if we don't die in a blazing inferno, <laughs> wah, wah. Um. All right. Well, thank you again. Thank you, Fortune. Um. You can catch her on. Are you still doing Life in Pieces? Uh. Yeah. I, I pop in there. She's if, everywhere. I'm. Uh. If you want to see me on tour, I'm usually funnier. I was more serious today with Heather. <laughs> um, if you want to see me on tour where I'm funny, I think, uh, <laughs> go to my website, fortunefeemster.com. Yeah, go. Go see her on tour. Watch her on the mini project, Life in Pieces. Um, just, you all fucking know. She's the fucking best. Um, and it, guys, thanks for tuning in. Thanks, you guys. Bye. <laughs>